Hey, welcome to the House of Bliss podcast. My name is Cole Harmon. It's a beautiful day to be alive. My wife just got back from a three-day retreat, which means I just got to spend the last 72 hours hanging out with my one-and-a-half-year-old daughter. I loved every minute of it, and even though I had to endure hearing Baby Shark at least 60 times, I'm not even exaggerating. Uh, It was a lot of fun nonetheless, and she's such a joy bomb. And they're actually home right now uh, downstairs, so you might hear some crashing and, well, you know, the sounds of life. Yeah, so before we dive into Stranger Things, I want to take care of two quick business things. Number one, Patreon. If you like this podcast, if you like the sounds coming from my ears, the thoughts, wait, I said ears, didn't I? From my mouth into your ears, please consider hitting the link and uh, donating to our show. You can do it for as little as a dollar per month. That is... uh. That's uh, one large Baja blast per month. And uh, literally every dollar helps, so if you like it, consider supporting it. Next, uh, if you would like me or my co-host Mark Duman or the both of us to do some kind of live event at your church or your home, hit us up. We love doing that. We love sharing the gospel with people and praying and just having a big celebration of all things Jesus. So you can actually message us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash hobpod. It's the House of Bliss page. And uh, yeah, we would love to hear from you and see about making something happen. And lastly, if you're a new listener, and I have a gut feeling there will be many of you since we're doing something about Stranger Things, the way this works is we have our main episodes, which are long-form, hilarious discussions between my co-host Mark Dune and I, and then I've got these nuggets, which is what you're listening to now. It's just me and a microphone and a heartfelt conversation, uh, much shorter, and it's about something that I'm inspired about. So I was supposed to do a main episode this week, but I made a a uh, very tragic mistake with the audio. We ended up having to scrap the entire thing. So I thought, what would make up for that? Let's talk about Netflix. So without any further ado, with all that business out of the way, let's get after it. Let's talk about Stranger Things. Really, this show is a great example of sort of a larger set of guiding principles in my life uh, that kind of dictate how I see entertainment in general. Um, I know a lot of Christians are somewhat allergic to (laughs) what you might call like worldly entertainment, but I just want to share why I personally uh, not only love this show, but encourage you to watch Netflix and with a few caveats. So these are my four sort of uh, guiding principles for entertainment consumption in general. And literally, I could do an entire episode about each one of these. So I'm just going to fly by these so we can get to the meat of it, Stranger Things. So number one, if you look for Jesus everywhere, you will find Jesus anywhere. I didn't come up with that quote. I actually saw it on Facebook, and I'm not sure who the author is, but I love it. If we live and move and have our being in Jesus, if he is the victorious king and conqueror of the entire universe, then he is everywhere. Uh, And sometimes it just takes eyes to see it. Yeah. And and it might even come in a package that you're not familiar with, a non-Christian package. But 
If you tune in your awareness, if you're looking for Jesus everywhere, there's not a place on the planet, whether it's a a dive bar or a church building, you will find him waiting there for you. Uh, Number two, this comes from a guy called David Dark. Um, He says in his book, the space of your life is the space of your worship. What the heck does that mean? It means this. Your worship never stops. You are worshiping 24-7 all the time. The issue is, you know, if your worship is defined as your attention, your time, your energy, your money, you're worshiping all the time. The issue is most of us think that that stops uh, when we stop singing songs at church on Sunday morning. But I say this on every podcast and I'll say it on every podcast for the rest of my life. Uh, We are one with God. If Christ lives inside of us and we are living in Christ in heavenly places, then literally all of our life is sacred. Now, that does not mean, what I'm not saying is that you should spend 24 hours a day in your room ignoring people singing hill songs. Uh, What I'm saying is like, you're always giving yourself towards something. And the only thing that makes it worship or not worship is your awareness of that fact. It's not just a spiritual activity, but it's loving your kids, uh, loving your wife or your husband. It's going to the store. It's taking out the trash. It's volunteering at the community center. It's watching Netflix. Literally anything can be worship uh, unto God. Colossians says, do all things unto the glory of God. The issue is, are you aware of it and are you intentional about it? And that's really all there is to it. Number three, people talk about how Christians are are more known for what they're against than what they're for. And I, I agree. I think the job of the Christian is to call out the gold in everything around them. Um, Jesus is hiding everywhere. It goes back to that first principle. And we should be known for highlighting things, not railing against people, not uh, trying to stand up against our enemies, but But the Bible says to focus on whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is true. Think about these things. And I believe it's our job is to take a highlighter to those things and say, hey, this part of culture, this is good. This part of culture is worth celebrating, worth focusing on, worth um, giving a high five to because it's good, because it looks like Jesus. And on the flip side of that, I think we're also... uh, we need to be good at processing challenges to our faith. There's so many people out there who are, they're so afraid of being challenged in their faith that they just retreat from everything. They just got to shelter themselves, cut themselves off, try to, you know, not, you know, when it says not to be polluted by the world, that's kind of like more of an internal processing thing than it is. You literally can't escape where you're at. You know what I mean? So rather than try to hide from people and break fellowship, we need to be ready to just take things that don't look like Jesus and be able to process why. And ultimately that can end up strengthening you and reinforcing what you do believe. It it reminds me of this. It's like, do you only hang out with people that you agree with? Because if you do, you're living in a sheltered bubble, and when somebody comes along with a convincing enough argument, it's going to pop your bubble and everything's going to fall apart, But unless you can avoid people long enough. But if you're uh, living and talking with people who don't agree with you, it actually forces you to think things through, and you end up stronger for it. So when somebody comes along and challenges you, you're not threatened by it. 
And lastly, number four is this. We need to be joining the larger cultural conversation. Uh, Again, it's not about pulling back and (laughs) being out of touch with what people are talking about. You know, there's so many billboards out there that say Jesus is the answer. And that's so (laughs) unhelpful because if you don't know what question people are asking, you don't know how to help them arrive at the answer. Okay, like 30 years ago, the question, 40 years ago, the question was, uh, where are you going to go when you die? That's not... (laughs) That's not the question anymore. Millennials really don't give a rip about where they go and they die. They want to know, how can Jesus help me with my student loans? How can Jesus help me with my child support? How can Jesus help me with what's going on right here, right now? And if you're so tuned out that you just try to shoehorn your personal answers uh, on your of your faith into someone else's life, you miss the fact that they might be talking about something completely different. So a great example of this in Scripture is uh, Paul the Apostle. He goes to the Gentiles. He goes to, I think he's in Athens, and he's standing on Mars Hill. And instead of trying to just beat these people over the head with a Jewish context gospel, he looks around, sees that they're worshiping all these gods, finds a stone that says, to the unknown God. And from there, he addresses people and says, hey, I would love to tell you about this unknown God. He took what was going on, even though it was very pagan, and he flipped it on his head and said, hey, here's an opportunity to share uh, with people what they're looking for. So in saying all that, I am not saying that you should just be consuming entertainment willy-nilly, unintentionally. No, treat it as worship. Ask Jesus when you're about to watch a show, What am I looking for here? What can you show me about yourself or your kingdom or about me through this? Or what am I about to be confronted with that I need to be uh, looking for? Um, You need to listen to your conscience. I can't tell you where your personal line is, but if you notice that it is not helping your connection with Jesus but actually hurting it, it's time to back off. It's not worth it. For me, that line is Game of Thrones. As much as I love high fantasy and, uh, you know, swords and all that fun stuff, um, I just cannot justify being exposed to that level of sexual content and still be honoring to my wife. And, and I'm not telling you that needs to be your line. I'm saying that's my line and I'm aware of that and I don't need to cross it. So in saying all this, learn to watch TV with Jesus. Uh, it doesn't mean you just have to watch VeggieTales. You know, you can watch uh, all kinds of stuff, but... It's just about learning how to commune with God in all that you do. All right, so normally that's right about where I would try to wrap up a nugget, but it's my show. I do what I want, and we are just getting warmed up, so grab a salty snack, maybe a beverage of your choice. Strap in your metaphorical seatbelt because we're diving into stranger things. Uh, Number one, I love how... Uh, this is sort of a great exercise right here and just what I was talking about. There's so many Christians out there who dismiss this show uh, because it kind of borrows from some of the horror 80s aesthetic. Um, it's a bit dark. It's definitely got some violence in there. But if you look just below the surface on that, this show is so kingdom. It's crazy. Like, we don't watch this show for the violence. We watch this show because what it's really about is love. So my first observation about the show is it's really about how love wins out against evil. 
Yeah, I mean, it's really about a community. It's this ragtag group. I love it. You've got an alcoholic cop, a single mother, um, a group of <laughs> four nerdy friends who play Dungeons and Dragons. You've got the uh, straight A, straight lay student who's boyfriends with the classic, like, jock type and. Uh, yeah, you've got um, this girl who's like from this lab. She was abused and she's got superpowers. And it's like this is the team. Like this is the people who are going to save the town. You ever just look around at the team of people God's given you in life and just gone, what is this? You know, like where did all these people come from? I know with Jesus, like uh, it's such a wonderful thing to be united by Christ because you end up working and running with people who you have basically nothing in common with Um, but you go through things together you do stuff together and it creates such an amazing bond and I love about this group characters is they're literally withstanding storms I'll never forget driving down 71 and seeing the promotional billboard for Stranger Things it was just a picture of this massive storm uh sort of like featuring the upside down which if you don't know in the show I'll get into that in a minute but it was it was terrifying and ominous and I loved it and it it talked you know like the whole second season revolves around this this demonic storm that rolls in and that's what the group has to withstand like we've been introduced to them they've gone through things together but this is their biggest challenge yet and what I love about these people is they're really human they fight with each other they make mistakes they have stupid miscommunications they they change i mean look at steve he goes from this guy who's always trying to get in this girl's pants this you know sort of sort of creepy and he's definitely got a mean streak to like by the end he's just like this mentor for these kids he's kicking butt he's he just becomes such a lovable character. And how many times do we as Christians sometimes forget that people are allowed to change? Like people that you have pegged in your mind as being one thing or the other, God can absolutely transform uh, the heart and mind of anybody. And we got to be careful not to like lock them into that. We need to let them be who they truly are. It just becomes a an amazing picture of what the church should be. Uh, It's not, sometimes in our American life, we're so compartmentalized that we let people go through things by themselves. It's like, we'll go out and hang out for tacos, but as soon as things get tough, you know, I don't hear from you anymore. But they, they have no choice in this show but to truly love each other no matter what. One of the scenes that really blew my mind was uh, poor Will. He he can never catch a break. Not only was he kidnapped in the first season by this horrible monster trapped in an alternate evil dimension, but uh, he ends up getting possessed by this storm that comes through. It's like this monster demon storm thing. And it's crazy. His friends... They start to realize that something is really off about him. He's not acting normal. But then things start to get really freaky and they realize this this monster trying to destroy the town is actually living out of will. And both him and the monster are inside the same body. So <clears throat> they, re- they, they end up doing like this intervention type thing. They strap him down. And Will is, like, basically gone at this point. It's just the monster, like, threatening them, speaking to them. And what they do is all the characters in the show that we know and love and care about, 
What they do is they sit around each one of them one by one, shares their favorite memories with him. They start to share with him about who he is. They start to call him back to the will that he really is. And eventually the real will rises up and they're able to extract this monster without destroying him. And that is just such a beautiful picture of what community can be like when we are in the thick of it, when we are discouraged, when we are hurt, when we are angered, when we feel like uh, we just can't shake it. That is when we need the people around us the most. Like, what do you, do you, do we judge people when they're going through something like that and just write them off and stop inviting them to Taco Tuesday? Or do we really get in their face and remind them, no, this is who you are. This is what you're like. I remember that time when you helped me with this. I remember that time when you said this. Oh, this is why I love you until they're back to themselves again. So the show, this is really about is forgiveness. What this is really about is friendship that pushes through hard times. What this is really about is love that unites. Yeah. All right, so now let's get into some more mystical, kind of like metaphysical fun here. Jesus, his big announcement when he came is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And going back to that um, quote from Paul on Mars Hill where he says, In him we live and move and have our being. This show gave me so much language for understanding the kingdom. Like I I had a hard time visualizing what the kingdom is like until I saw this show. Because um, if you think it starts the very beginning, it's like there's this portal to another realm. But it's not just that it goes to another place. I don't know if you remember the scene where they're shooting the portal with like flamethrowers and it's like going, and it's like screeching and... And it, it, it's like this place is also alive. It's, it's a place, but it's also a being. And that sort of helped me realize that like we live in God. Existence itself is in God. Heaven is not a place that contains God. Like it's a place that's bigger than God. But God himself is heaven. <laughs> uh in him we live and move and have our being. Our, our existence comes from a person. So there's not a single person on this planet who's not lovingly held together in existence by the hand of God. In a, in a very real sense, we are all in God. We are all in that realm of the kingdom. But the issue is not everybody is aware of it. What I love too is the upside down. Do you remember when they go inside? Uh, if, you're, if you have not watched the show, the upside down is what they end up terming this realm through the portal. So when they go through, it it's an alternate, like, evil version of their town, Hawkins. But what's crazy is uh, it's exactly like Hawkins, but everything's all dead and decayed and it's cold. So it's very familiar, but very unfamiliar all at the same time. And I like to think of the kingdom of God as the same way, except the opposite, obviously. It's a, it's a place where everything is in its true ideal form as God intended it. And so 
heaven is not just a place, but it is the realm of being within God where everything is as it should be. But here's the crazy thing. It's not somewhere else. It's not out in space somewhere. It is already here around us. It is already here around us. And so our task as Christians is to be aware of that and to call forth the gold, like we mentioned earlier. We get to be aware of this realm and we get to speak to it. So if you ever had a prophetic word for somebody where you saw you saw what God dreams for them or you see some sort of gift. Uh, here's an example. One of the very first prophetic words I ever got was um, when I first went to Redding, California. I went to Bethel Church and this lady came up and insisted to me that she saw a person of joy. She saw like sunshine pouring out of my being. Well, what she didn't know is that I was really still struggling with depression at that point. Um, and so I remember thinking, this lady is full of it. Or she really missed it. But then what's crazy is as my life went on and I started to change and, and really experience God in new ways, I became known for my joy. People think of my joy. In fact, like my my podcast is called House of Bliss. We talk all about joy. It's because she didn't just see what could be. She saw what really was and she spoke to it and saw it manifest and come forth. So in a sense, uh, we can't really get hung up on spatial metaphors, but really nobody is bringing the kingdom anywhere. Nobody is pulling heaven down. It is already here. It is already around us. We are in Christ. In him, we live and move and have our being. We are in heaven because we're in God. But this becomes such an amazing picture of salvation. Because I know a lot of people have been asking this questions, like, what about people that don't believe in, in God? Are they in God? Like, are they with him right now? What about where it talks about people being out of Christ or in Christ? And I think it works in a couple of different levels. Like, everybody, in a sense, is in Christ, um, just like everybody the upside down was upon the town of Hopkins. It was everywhere. It's so crazy. Like they go to the high school and half of the team is in the high school in the normal sort of realm and everything looks normal. But then Will, this character, is trapped in the high school in the upside down. So they're in the same exact space, just a completely different way of seeing it and looking at it, right? So this becomes a cool picture of salvation. Even though the upside down was all around them, only two of those people were aware of the upside down. So remember at the end of uh, season one where Will kind of like hacks up that bug into the sink? Well, after that, he had this sort of sensitivity to the upside down. Uh, he started having these fragments of feelings and like visions and dreams of this storm that was impending. And I feel like that is such a brilliant picture of what it's like to be prophetic. We're connected with God. We are like sort of in this kingdom realm. Like when we talk about God, we're talking about a, a being that exists in every possible dimension, trying to communicate with us through space and time. And so sometimes, you know, when we get prophetic words or prophetic inclinations, it's not like as if God spoke out of heaven and gave us an audible instruction. It's like, no, we just get these fragments. We just get these feelings that pass through our consciousness. We're like, I think, I think God is trying to tell me this or that, or I had a dream about this. I'm not sure what it means, 
but I know that it's God trying to speak to me about something. And uh, so, yeah, <clears throat> like when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, you know, so to speak, I mean, I guess he's already there because he's holding you together. But when you submit your life to Jesus Christ, it's like when Will gets infected, all of a sudden this realm becomes opened up to you. So that, And also there's this whole thing about portals in the show. There's like different places where the upside down is leaking through these portals into the, the normal realm. And I think about it like this, like we are that living portal portal of heaven for people. Remember, remember the portals were alive. And it's like, we are that living portal for people. When people meet you, they are having an active encounter with God. When we pray for folks, when we see people get healed, touched, saved, delivered, whatever else, it is as if the kingdom of heaven, the person of God inside of us is coming through us and allowing the world around us to manifest and reflect that ever-present kingdom that is always around us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> Am I the only one enjoying this? I, I just love uh, this show so much. Yeah. And our churches, like those places that we worship where we encounter God regularly, it's like they become a sort of portal as well. Not again, not for a heaven that is far away that needs to show up here and now, but a heaven that is always around us here and now that we get to see visibly manifested in front of us. Yeah. <laughs> So I have a lot more that I could probably say about Stranger Things, but I really would love to hear from you. What did you notice about Stranger Things uh, that reminded you of, of Jesus, of the kingdom of heaven, of the gospel? Why don't you go ahead and go on over to our Facebook page and just leave some comments. I'll get a discussion going. So uh, just to, just to kind of summarize, this show is not about uh, blood and guts and violence and horror. What it's really about is how love wins, how love calls out the gold, and love does not forget who the other person is, even in the hardest times. And it's also about the kingdom of God is at hand. In God, we live and move and have our being. And even if all the people around us are totally clueless to it. We are tuned in to a very real and present reality, and we get to be the portals, uh, the living portals to that realm for other people. Yeah. <laughs> so what I want to pray for you is, in all your Netflix watching, in all your play, in all your work, in all your worship, may everything in your life be worship. I am praying that that button inside of you that says, I'm communing with God, does not just shut off, but is always active and turning everything into a moment to enjoy God. Yeah. And that's my thing on Stranger Things. Next week, I am so excited to talk about Marie Kondo because as much as I love the show Stranger Things, I feel like I have way more juice to talk about with uh, Marie Kondo. So uh, if you want to hear me talk about a certain show, I really honestly don't have time to watch a ton, but uh, if I have seen it, I would love to share uh, what I think about certain movies or whatever. So go ahead and post it on the Facebook page. And ah, oh, bless you. I hope you just feel it today. Feel that you are stuck in the heavenly upside down. <laughs> Whoa.